Generation Church, based in the beautiful Rex Theater in the heart of downtown Pensacola, Florida. Our hope is that today's teaching will encourage and equip you to be firm in faith, to fulfill the call of God in your life, and to finish well. Grab your Bible, open up your notes app, and let's dive in. Hey everybody, welcome to the wrap party where we dive a little deeper into Sunday's message. Pastor Ray here with Pastor Taylor. What's up guys? He just continued our series on Ephesians where we're looking at this letter from the Apostle Paul and it's really about the riches we have available to us in Christ and how we are to live in light of those things. So Pastor Taylor today, he covered Ephesians chapter 5 verses 1 through 17. Taylor, remind us what that was all about. Yeah, so we're in this process. Uh, we've, we've talked about it for a few weeks now. I think last time we did the podcast, we were kind of ending, um, I guess, ending like kind of the intro to the book of the first three chapters and how the second three chapters is more of like, okay, now put action to your faith or live a right. certain way. So Paul's given us uh, kind of that idea or things to do in our lives things to evaluate. And so chapter five starts off with really kind of an intense, intense, like, uh, warning, uh, or even a bit of, uh, accountability would maybe be a word of how we should live and him holding the people of Ephesus, uh, accountable the best way he could certainly being from prison. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he touches on that starting with verse one, saying be imitators of God, but then he hits a, a kind of a, a plethora of, of issues that could be in your life, present in your life that's keeping you from doing just that, which is imitating God. And so we just kind of broke that, uh, those 17 verses into three separate, three separate sections uh, and basically just looked at what it meant to walk in love, walk as light, and walk in wisdom and how that pertains to us Um being the light of the world. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. The, the first part of the letter is about our wealth. Mm-hmm. And then now today is we're starting our walk. And yeah. what does that look like? So the first thing you, you talked about was to walk in love. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like how you pointed out that um, it's the <laughs> second one, walking as light, that's really the linchpin of this mm-hmm. whole thing, because it's possible to love people, um, but not know God. Right. And so I really like that you you pulled that out because um, the love of Christ is a sacrificial love. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if we're supposed to imitate Christ, how do we, how do we show sacrificial love to other people instead of maybe superficial love that, that the world has to right. offer? So I think too, and, and even as you're saying that, you know, the love that I would say that most people live by, and again, it's, it's not even necessarily that it's a bad thing. Yeah. Um, but most if you were to categorize love without God, that love is circumstantial. It's based off of a circumstance, what type of relationship it is, what you're getting from that relationship. Or if you didn't want to use circumstantial, you could even use like, uh, gosh, what word am I? A a transaction. It's like Mm -hmm. a transactional love where um, if you think about buying something, you give something to get it. And that's not what sacrificial love is. And so if you are able to live your life through a filter of what God did for you through his love and then read, do as Christ did, then you we can understand like 
you know, Jesus was sacrificed, you know, mm-hmm. he, and so that is sacrificial love. So if we can love people that way, then it's a good start to really, especially obviously as a believer to evaluate yourself, if you are um, imitating God and everything that you do. Yeah. And I think it's, it's an important thing too, that, um, like Christ died for sinners. He died for um, people who may not love him back. You say that often, you know, um, but he did, he did it anyways. Um, so this thought is like uh, chapter four, verse 32, it ends talking about how we should forgive as Christ forgave us. And then chapter five, we should love as Christ loved yeah. us. And so I think it's really important to understand that, um, you know, we're, we're not to be selfish in our love, and, and it's not enough that we yeah. just love our family and our right. friends. The Bible talks about that as well. It's like, right. yeah, but maybe love your enemies. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was interesting in studying the first commentary I pulled out. Um, the whole commentary was on forgiveness. And so, you know, when you think about imitating God, if you're baking something, you want obviously the right ingredient, like one missing mm-hmm. ingredient could completely mess up the entire process. Um, not just baking, but cooking anything like too much of something or, you know, it doesn't take much to really mess up mm-hmm. the full experience. And, you know, there's passages of scripture, you know, even, you know, quotes from the old Testament, like Peter, uh, I think is that Isaiah, like quoting Isaiah and, and, uh, verse 15 of chapter one is like, be holy for I am holy. Mm-hmm. And then there's other verses that says like this one, love as Christ loved or be merciful for I am merciful. And if you don't have those things in your life, you're missing the ingredients. Mm-hmm. It's not even saying that you can't be saved and not have those in your life because you can, mm-hmm. but if you want to experience the fullness of God, but then live in the fullness of God. There's, I think there's a difference between experiencing God fully, but then living in the fullness of God. And that is intimidating God. And uh, if you don't have those attributes, you know, the key ingredients to a Christian, you could say, um, then it's really hard. You know, even if you evaluate yourself through Galatians six with the fruit of the spirit, it's like there's times in your life where something happens and you're not using self-control. You're not, you know, being patient, you're not being kind, doesn't mean that you don't love God. It doesn't mean that you're not a Christian, but it's, you know, Paul's also saying like, evaluate yourself through these things. If these are apparent in your life and that's what people see, then you are in fact imitating God. So, Yeah, that's good. Um, I like the flow of Paul's thought here where it's like, uh, walk in love. Um, but get rid of these things and he talks about like uh sexual impurity and stuff like that like these things we need to get rid of uh because he says that they're darkness and they're foolishness which hits the point walk as light walk in wisdom right um so so if we're and it also says that um we are light um we were darkness now we're light um and so in order to to live as light, we have to let Jesus transform us, right. which I think you brought out. Uh, what does that look like in, in our lives practically? You know, I think it's something that could be the biggest challenge of a Christian because a lot of times you don't see it happening. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, how, I'm speaking for myself, but, you know, I don't know how many times I've prayed God transform me or 
um, renew my mind or, uh, you know, I'm surrendering to you and, and really nothing changed Mm -hmm. and, or holding your, you know, I, I used to hate biggest pet peeve of my life was, you know, uh, just take your thoughts captive. Mm-hmm. And like when you hear that, you're like, well, yeah, theoretically that sounds like, I know that's right, but how, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's thoughts that you have that you literally can't control whether you think that or not, right. but you can control how you respond to mm-hmm. it. And so within those things, it's like, if we can find a way to not necessarily look perhaps for the, definition of being transformed by God. But it, I think trans, being transformed by God isn't just a moment. It's mm-hmm. a li- it's, yeah. it's your life with Jesus. And so I mean, how many times, I'm sure you know a handful of people that you've seen on fire for God, and then now they might not even claim to be a yeah. Christian. Or, mm-hmm. And I think that that could be a lot of the issue. It's like impatience. Like they think everything's got to be immediate. And so it's like, God, I'm really struggling with this. Can you transform my mind so I don't think this anymore? When in reality, it's like the transformation comes through submission. Mm -hmm. And if you're unwilling to submit everything, then there's a great chance that you're still going to struggle with that. And so maybe that answers the question, well, transformation comes with discipline. It comes with submission. It comes with these other things that, you probably wouldn't normally associate with a uh, transform. Like if you were to give a a definition of transform, you know, you don't think of discipline. You don't think of submission. You just probably think of this simultaneous instant happening where that issue becomes no more. But if you ask any drug addict or anybody that was really struggling with addiction I'm sure you can come across some supernatural stories, but it took time like that. Regardless of what it was, it took time. It took discipline. It took submitting to wanting that transformation to actually take root, not just asking for, Hey God, just in an instant, like sure. Mm -hmm. He's very powerful enough to do that. And he will do that. But, why else did the Israelites continue to struggle after they were freed? After technically they were transformed, mm-hmm. they were rescued from slavery, but they stayed slaves. Yeah. And so I think that that alone proves that it takes time for the transformation to kick in. And the fuel to that transformation is your own discipline to mm-hmm. stay submitted to it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think part of that, um, like in my own life too, is, um, you know, we have this new identity in Christ. You know, we were darkness, now we're light. And so for me, it helps to remind myself, like if I have these thoughts that I know I shouldn't have, or if I do something that I know uh, grieves the heart of God, mm-hmm. grieves the Holy Spirit, I can say, no, but that's not who I am. Jesus says I'm light. Right. And so I think sometimes when we're struggling with stuff and maybe we don't see that immediate transformation, we can just remind ourselves like, no, I'm not that anymore. Now right. I am the light of God in Christ Jesus. And I think in that way, um, (coughs) we can, um, better equip ourselves to, to surrender fully. Yeah. You kind of think too, is like, why else would Paul start off the whole discussion in like verse three and four by saying, don't even think about it. Right. Yeah. You know, like thinking's not an action. 
actions are results of thinking, but he's like jumping even in front mm-hmm. of the act or the action and saying, don't even think about it. Like surrender that thought immediately. Like yeah. do what you got to do. Put in your defensive measures to figure out this thought may come, but I can overcome it. And so, you know, as a guy too, I think that is a big challenge because certainly when it comes with you having as a man to relinquish control, if you keep thinking about it, you're just digging yourself in a hole, you know? So, yeah. So the third one there, um, walk in wisdom. Um, again, I like the, the, um, contrast he uses between like, uh, the the darkness is foolish, foolishness, but light is wisdom. Mm -hmm. Um, you said that, um, to experience his fullness and to share him with others is um, is the Lord's will. The verse says, "Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is." And and again, it's this idea of surrendering. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what what do you mean that the will of the Lord is to experience his fullness and share him with others? Well, first off, I think I used to think about this all the time when I was in ministry school and where it came from. Uh, like the first week of school, we're sitting in a room with one of the youth pastors and we, we were really, the school was really small back then. And so you had the freedom and the time uh, to be really intimate in terms of what the conversations were. It Mm -hmm. wasn't like, you know, if you go into a room with 300 people and you're going to have a discussion, it's probably like a Q and a and you pass the mic, all this stuff like this, we're sitting in a circle and we had enough time to go around and introduce yourself. And I don't think he meant it this way, but it stuck with me. It was like, I want you to say your name and what you're called to do. And every person in that room was like, my name's this, I'm called to be a youth pastor. Or my name's this, I'm called to be a pastor. My name's this, I'm called to be a worship leader. And it was all strictly tied to a title mm-hmm. or um, a talent, even, if you will. And I remember the Lord kind of showing me in that the more I would study, because even as those two years through that school progressed, you would have conversations with a lot of students where they're like, I'm struggling with discovering my calling, or I don't know what I'm called to do. You know, if you talk to students, they're like, if you were to ask them, hey, what are you called to do? And they wouldn't know how to answer it. And I think as Christians, certainly in the ministry world, like you, you get into ministry because you want to do something. And it might be that you feel led to be a youth pastor or an associate pastor, or outreach missions, pastor, or worship leader, or whatever. But I, I, to me, it's so much deeper than that mm-hmm. because how often do you put stock in the title and it only becomes about that? When as a believer, like Jesus didn't tell his disciples, hey, go out into the world, make disciples of all nations. He didn't tell them like, hey, uh, Peter, go out into the world and as a youth pastor, make Mm -hmm. disciples of all nations. Or you, John, uh, or you, Simon, or you, whoever, go out into the world and be a worship pastor or an outreach pastor or a tech guy. All those are great and very much no doubt God would lead you in that direction and gift you in that direction for a reason. But I really think that the will of God, and you know, there's even debates about that. There's a difference between your calling and your purpose. I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I think if, 
if you were to get into the nuts and bolts as a Christian, your calling and purpose is to simply know God, love God, and make him known. That's it. It's like a, an adjective in a sentence. Like you still get the word without an ad, without an adjective, but the adjective adds power to that word, yeah. right? And so when it comes to like the will of God, and it, maybe that's even interesting enough as to why he uses it like he does in this passage with ending it with knowing the will of God or knowing God's will. It's like, be wise. If you want to know God's will, know God. If you want to be have godly wisdom, you can't unless you know God. And that just kind of puts the exclamation point on this whole teaching right here because you can't. Yes, walking in light, I think, is the byproduct of both walking in love and walking in wisdom. But you can't really do any of them without the other two, right. regardless of the order that you put it in or regardless which one came up first for the sake of conversation. You can't walk in love without being light and walking in wisdom mm -hmm. and so on. And so godly wisdom is giving first off is giving God complete control of your life and living out that wisdom is living out the word of God and not asking questions. Why, you know, this is my interpretation of what it means, or I don't really like that part of scripture. If you want to really sit back and say, I want godly wisdom, I want to live by godly wisdom, then that's surrendering even when you don't even agree with it, or you think that, well, this would make life easier. So in short, it's like the will of God is making him known. And if you do that, then you're doing those three things. If you're making people known, whether it's talking to people about him or living your life in a way, um, you know, that, that shows it like that just kind of capitalizes everything you just said by him ending with, um, the will of like walking the wise. Um, and he mentions in that too, like the time, like the season that you're in, the life that you're in from the time you're born to the time you stand before God, what are you going to be wise in that? So, yeah, that's awesome. And then, um, as we're, as we're doing all these things, walking in light, walking, um, I'm mixing up, uh, walking in love, walking mm -hmm. as light and walking in wisdom. Um, then we can answer that question. What do people get when they see you? And, mm -hmm. and the goal is that they would see Jesus. Yeah. I had a, uh, when we lived in Louisiana, my boss, the pastor I worked under, um, he did an illustration one time where he had one of those like makeup handheld mirrors that mm -hmm. it's not like the pocket one or whatever, but a bigger one. And it was like, you know, a lot of times you live your life and what you see in the mirror is who you are, but you have to walk around or live your life like as if you're looking at the back of it. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of the same thing. Like I was thinking about it this morning is I want to live my life. Like, I don't want people to just say, oh, well, Taylor's really nice or he's really supportive. Like, I want the main thing that people see in me is Christ. The other stuff is going to come. Mm -hmm. Those are byproducts is living as Christ. And even in the world, you know, like the world we live in and seeing people stand up for what they believe in, like there's power in that, regardless if you disagree with it or not. Right. 
And so as an imitator of God and the renewing of our mind and being transformed by God, if you live that way, it's not saying that you're going to mess up sometimes. It's not saying that you're going to fall sometimes. And I hold on to, I forget what chapter of Psalms it is, but there's a verse in Psalms that says that you may, uh, you may stumble, but you'll never fall because it's God who holds you with his strong right hand. And, you know, I read it somewhere in a study that like the right hand is where like the place of honor, like mm-hmm. the right hand of God seated at the right hand of God. And if he holds you with his strong right hand, then it's not saying, Hey, go be perfect. Or, Hey, if you mess up, this isn't going to happen. It's just saying, Hey, follow me, imitate me. And the rest is going to come. Yeah. So awesome. Well, thanks again, Pastor Teddy, yeah. for your time. And thank you guys for listening. We hope that this <laughs> conversation has blessed you if you haven't had a chance to watch pastor taylor's message go ahead and do that and or if you've missed any in this series they really will bless you and we'll get to know the heart of the apostle paul even better and and more than that we get to know the heart of god and so we love you we're praying for you but for this week that's a wrap thanks for hanging out with us at generation you can connect with us on facebook or instagram at generation pensacola or go to the website at generationpensacola.com and from wherever you download your podcasts. If today's teaching impacted you, we'd love to hear about it. So please drop us a note.